welcome to the Profiles in Persistence show. I'm Dusty Rollins, founder and owner of Oxford Business Services. We help entrepreneurs and business owners maximize their profit and minimize their taxes. We believe there should be limits to how much the IRS can punish your success. Stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest on this great inspirational daily podcast. Let's go. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back for another episode. And today uh, I have with me Chad Burmeister. Uh, I'm extraordinarily uh, pleased to have Chad with me because I want to hear his story. It looks fascinating. So, Chad, first of all, with that long-winded introduction, welcome. And uh, thank you for taking the time to visit with me today. You bet. Thanks for having me. It's cold here in beautiful, sunny and cold Colorado. Uh, Could you tell us a little bit about your professional background? Sure. I started in selling when I was eight years old. <laughs> Literally, I sold suckers on the bus and uh, got pretty good at it. Then I went to Colorado State University and did some more sales and marketing, graduated with a marketing degree. And my first sales job out of college was a staffing company. So I, I sold staffing services. It was 80% women, 10% men. So I don't know what the other 10%, maybe it was 80, 20, 80, 10, something like that. Uh, and then I, I've been in sales the rest of my life. So then I worked for Airborne Express. I moved over to uh, FedEx. And then I did technology sales starting in 2000. Actually did an MBA from Loyola Marymount University in Los Angeles. And, and I wrote a paper comparing Fortune 1000 selling to tech sales and interviewed the CEO of US West uh, multiple CEOs at different companies. And I, I've always been fairly conservative early in my career. My, my dad was a doctor. My brother's a doctor. And all of those interviews said, you know what? You're actually taking more risk by staying in Fortune 1000 than by going into tech sales because tech's the future and you should leave and go there. So that's how I Took the you know I took the road less traveled and said okay I got to go relearn software sales and the rest is history. So now I've worked for companies like WebEx that was acquired by Cisco. I worked for Riverbed Technology in San Francisco, and I've worked for some pretty big big mainstream tech companies and and learned a lot along the way. So that's the Cliff Notes version. So you've uh, been prolific in uh, not only uh, learning about sales, but also uh, being a thought leader in sales. And that started from uh, a really a great origin story. So I was wondering if you'd tell us a little bit about your first job, what happened to you, and how that really led you to thinking about best practices for sales literally up until today. Yeah. So my first job, Olston Staffing Services, I literally was hired from a company I was on campus at Colorado State and the campus recruiter gave me the job. And so they flew me to Melville, New York. I took the training class for a good two to three weeks and I was pretty nervous. I'm not going to lie. I, I didn't have real selling skills. I had kind of, you know, street smart selling suckers on the bus when I was eight, like I said before. Uh, I'm competitive, but I, I, you know, I had a challenge when I'd sit in front of somebody and try to sell them something and ask questions. It's like, you know, can you talk and chew gum at the same time? And I didn't know the selling skills yet. So 
my first job led to six to seven months of pounding the pavement in, in Arizona. I moved from Colorado to Arizona. And then by the end of seven, six, seven, eight months, I, they said, there's the door, you know, don't let it hit you on the way out. You didn't sell enough. So it was one of the worst experiences that I could have ever possibly imagined being fired because now you have to call your parents and say, Hey, you know, I, thanks for paying for Colorado state tuition, but I'm sorry to disappoint. I failed. And, oh, you know, what do you do? So I remember going to the gym. I went to the unemployment line. I'm like, what the heck is this file for unemployment? I didn't even know such a thing existed. And, and then I rebounded. Um, and we all have to have one of those stories in life. If you're living it now, don't worry about it. I can promise you there's another chapter. And usually it's just a few days, weeks, or months around the next corner. And so I got accepted to Airborne Express as a result of that. They sent me to Seattle, Washington for training for three weeks. I became the number one in the class. And then I became the number one in the company because I just had stick to is the word I've learned over the years. You just have to put one foot in front of the other, learn from mentors, and then FedEx recruited me and the rest was history. So without that experience, though, I may have chased a different career and having mud on my face and failing was one of the best things that could have ever happened to me. Uh, so some commentators call that a crucible experience. Uh, where you really learn from it and bounce back. But that really seems to me to have led you to a lifelong passion around the sales process and best practices on sales. Uh, and today you really continue that thought leadership around AI for sales. So I wanted to ask, maybe here we are in 2020, what are some of the best practices you advocate today? Well, it's interesting. If you go back 15 years, there was a big move to BPO, offshoring, offshore, offshore, offshore. So in fact, at the time I was in Arizona and I made the front page of the Arizona newspaper one day and it was go figure during an election cycle. <laughs> and there was this big, you know, George Bush versus whoever he was up against. I guess it was probably Al Gore at the time. And, um, and I said, Hey, yeah, offshore people, you know, we can do a lot more. They're willing to pick up the phone and make calls. Um, what I learned over the course of the last decade to 15 years is don't, you know, you don't want to suffer quality. And, and there is a quality concern when you have offshore folks doing dials. What AI has now brought is I can now accelerate my personal outreach, using AI for email, using AI to source data records, to sit, do social connections, instead of trying to have, you know, four or five entry-level college graduates do lead generation for me, I can now copy and clone myself to do outreach at a scale that's way faster and better and get more pipeline in a shorter period of time. So what I think is going to happen with AI is that everyone will have a virtual assistant, I'll call it. You'll have one or two for email, you'll have one for social, and now you can be 10 times more productive, but I'd rather have a US-based worker carrying a bag with quota powered by technology than a team of, you know, one or two or three 
entry-level college grads doing that kind of outreach. So I think we're, I, the power of AI is amazing. We've built a $3 million company in under two and a half years, um, all purely powered by artificial intelligence. So you continue this thought leadership by the release of your uh, most recent book. And I say most recent because I believe you're up to four, AI for Sales, How Artificial Intelligence is Changing Sales. I was really intrigued when you talked about the paper you wrote in uh, your MBA program and how you interviewed uh, top experts. Did you use or mimic that same process or what was your process for writing? Yeah, very similar process. Um, I reached out to heads of data science at different companies. I reached out to CEOs. So every chapter of the book, there, there were supposed to be 20 chapters. And then I found out about this new space uh, that's social selling AI. And so I added chapter 21. And that's funny because that happens to be the company that we acquired this past Friday is the company that I wrote chapter 21 about. And I was so intrigued by the power of the platform that we ended up, you know, doubling down on that technology. It was so new. Nobody else was doing anything like it. And then we acquired them. But it starts with data. So chapter one, I interviewed Henry Shuck from Discover.org, which is now Zoom Info. They merged. And it all starts with clean gas in the tank, right? What's the data source that you're getting? If you put bad gas in the tank, you're going to get pings in your outbound efforts. So each chapter, it starts with data as the bedrock. And then each chapter talks about different tools and technologies like email and social outreach, uh, conversation intelligence, which is, you know, sitting on top of all of your sales conversations and, and then giving you the ability to go deep in the conversation and provide remote coaching, uh, even coaching after the fact. So if you haven't, if you haven't checked out AI for sales, we actually offer a free download on the website. It's at scalex.ai. And then I, I believe it's forward slash eBooks. And you'll be able to download that as well as the other four copies of my other books on that site as well. Uh, you have a, a really great phrase that I'm going to uh, read here and then ask you to explain it a little bit. And it's revenue equals frequency times competency. Can you expand on that? Because I found that to be incredibly insightful. Yeah. Well, let me attribute who I got it from first. That would be Skip Miller. And Skip was one of my very early mentors 25 plus years ago. And uh, and he still looks the same as he did back then. So Skip Miller has written amazing books. Revenue equals frequency times competency. So frequency is how many activities are you doing, right? How many how many demos, how many proposals do you send out, how many discovery calls, but where you need to take it is one level upstream. How many phone calls are you making? How many emails are you sending? What's your open and reply rate? How many social connections are you doing? So there's a whole set of KPIs that companies are now looking at that has been, you know, for the last 10 years, this business development and sales development space has opened up a whole new set of KPIs and metrics. And what used to take, oh, you're going to send out 30 emails a day? Yeah, okay, you need to hire a rep for that. Well, now I can have a virtual assistant send 30 emails for me, 30 emails for you, and 30 emails for four other people. And, you know, corporate, corporate written text by a professional and aligned to the right buyer type 
even in the right buyer tone, because you as a buyer are different than me, different than someone else. So nowadays, frequency can move up a lot faster. The challenge is everybody else has figured out the frequency game too. So what, what a rep used to be able to do can now do 10 times more. Well, that means you and me as a buyer are getting bombarded with messages. So what I've discovered is equally important to the frequency game is the competency game. So imagine 100 emails at a competency of 0.5% or 0.5. Okay, now now imagine 1,000 at a 0.5. Well, over time, that's going to get diluted. You have to focus on both sides of the equation, frequency and competency. The only way you can get competent is by doing more volume. So whenever I work with new hire salespeople, I say, get the F up early in your process, right? Focus on frequency now, get a lot of repetitions under your belt, and then you can learn how to be competent. Uh, But it really requires both pieces of the equation in today's selling environment. Um, I was really intrigued by your use of the word repetition. And uh, I'm a former Joe Jock, played football, basketball, ran track, all that jazz in, in high school. And uh, in sports, they talk about reps, reps in practice, reps in a game. And I, and I, when I heard you say that uh, in reviewing some of your uh, materials in preparation for this webinar, I literally heard coaches talk, so talk about reps, reps in practice. And I don't think people think or understand about uh, repetition as a way to not only competence, but even excellency. Yeah, well, exactly right. I had a guy named Dana who was on my team at Ring Central. And I sat down with all 30 of the people on my team within the first day that I got there. And I remember sitting down with Dana. And I said, all right, what's your backstory? And he was a basketball player. And he and I said, well, what made you strong as a basketball player? He said, well, most people only shot a certain number of free throws. He goes, I did 10 times more before I would leave the the court at night. And he goes, as a result, I got invited to play in college. um, And then, and then he had an ACL tear or something. And so you could just feel right. The tear in his eye of man, I thought that was going to be my entire life. And, and I said, you know what, what's cool about this is that what you learned there to do more repetitions can be equally applied in the business world. So I said, look, one of the things you have here at Ring Central is a tool called Connect and Sell. You can log in, you can load a list, and you can click the go button. You'll talk to people within two to three minutes that are on that list, and it's a repetition game. If you can just talk to more people than everybody else, because the lead pool is very deep here at Ring Central, we develop a lot of leads. And the biggest challenge we had was that they weren't all getting called by the reps. So I was like, look, you check these leads out of the library. If you show up at 630 in the morning and call East Coast leads, you could dial as many as 2000 a day. The platform will allow you to do that. Most reps are going to be lazy and they're going to say, yeah, I just want to do an hour a day for 150 dials. So I was like, hey, him. And then the other guy, Josh Bordner was the former captain of the Boston College football team. Same conversation. Tell me about yourself, right? And he's like, yeah, I did more reps than anybody else. Awesome. You're going to love me and you're going to love the tool that I'm giving you. 
So these two kids cranked it to a level that you would not believe. Josh went to president's club three years in a row, and we only picked one from one team and one from another. And the team got to be a hundred people deep. He went all years. Dana ended up getting promoted into a sales role because he started in business development. I I haven't looked him up in a little while. I suspect he's uh, he's doing quite well for himself because he wins the repetition game. Really one theme I've heard already uh, in this podcast, Chad, is the human element. You've talked about it several times, and I even heard it in the phrase revenue equals frequency times competency. But why do you say that even with automation, computers will never have enough input to make the right decisions? Human brain power can operate in the millions of transactions a second, right? When we first jumped into the call, and I see your shirt, I form an opinion, and you form an opinion of me, that you can't teach a computer to to make all of those intricate decisions and develop trust at a level that humans can. So as much as the AI continues to, quote unquote, take over parts of the process, it's going to start from the bottom up. And guess what? It's going to stay at the bottom for a long, long time. The goal of the AI is to get the human in the conversation with another human so that they can have trust. Reps, really good reps, they don't want to do the monotony of looking up data, sending out an email. They want to show up in a meeting and be prepared and have a business conversation. And so they shouldn't fear technology, but what they should do, invest more time and cycles in becoming a better human. And to be a better human, you have to be able to connect with people at a level that you haven't traditionally had to go. And so that's what I'm excited about, having done this now for three years, as the AI gets better, and it does, believe me, there's a social tool that's out now powered by IBM Watson that can actually interact with you and you won't know that it's a, it's a bot. And it can take it all the way to the point of a meeting. We're partnering with them because... They're the latest and greatest, amazing type of technology. But what that means is when you get in the meeting, you better be able to have a business dialogue and not just show up and throw up and talk about your product, right? Any <laughs> AI could talk about your product and put it on a piece of paper. They need you as a human to be there and have a real conversation and have empathy and care about the person you're talking to. And that's what I'm talking about when I mean the human matters more so than ever before. Let's turn to ScaleX AI, uh, the company you founded. Can I just start with why did you found the company? Well, at RingCentral, when I had a team of 100 people, I found that they didn't actually want to do the personalization work. And I said, well, look, what's going on? We hired three or four of these really good trainers to teach the team. What's going on? Well, there was a block because they said, you know, I don't know Tom yet. I don't want to say, hey, we went to the same college together or, hey, congrats on uh, the award you won last week or congrats on X number of podcasts. They're like, I know I can go do that, but I don't know him yet. So I, I don't want to do that. I feel intrusive. And I'm, I, I was con- confused. Right? I was like, well, what? Like, why not? I don't have a problem with that. Why do you? Well, generally speaking. Most people on the team didn't want to invest the time to do that. So I thought, you know, technology can handle that. Technology can go find out who you're connected to on LinkedIn, where'd you go to school, and why don't I go interview all these different people in the book 
and figure out what the what the coolest technology is that has the biggest impact. And that's that's what I did. I I spent you know a year and a half writing that book, and then by the time I left the company. I was able to go implement it. I, I did a test scenario for two quarters at this company. They had 28 reps doing 10,000 sales activities per month, 28 reps. And I was like, holy kid, that's, what if I could get it to 100,000 activities a month with a team of 20? And that was the value proposition to the CEO. So he's like, yeah, sounds good. We, we went in, we did that, 10X the activities, reduced the team by a third, and they sales increased by 50%. And I said, okay, got it. Now I can go help other companies do this. And now that we're 200 deployments in, we just continue to refine and learn. Email, for example, I would probably tell you, unless your product is really sells well in email, you may not even need an email seat anymore. So why would you spend 500 bucks a month with me on that if you could get two seats of social for a thousand? Those are the kinds of learnings that uh, that I really, really enjoy keeping an eye on. Um, let's turn to phone calls because I've heard you talk about uh, phone calls in detail, uh, why they're so difficult now, and how Scalex platform really can help drive successful phone calls. Yeah, well, think if, if you cold call somebody now and you call them at their office, first, they're not in their office. And so does that number actually forward to their cell phone? Does it go to their desktop station? You know, eight months into COVID lockdowns, sure. Yeah, it's probably going to forward now, but it's an unknown number. And are they really going to pick it up? If you have a cell phone number, on the other hand, the number, it takes only eight dials to one conversation. A switchboard might take 30 to 50. So imagine an hour of dials, you call 10 mobile numbers. You'll talk to one prospect in one hour. Now imagine you only have the switchboard numbers. You call 50 numbers, that's five hours of effort, and you talk to one person. So when you deploy ScaleX agent-assisted dialing, you'll load your list. And by the way, we'll highly encourage you to load cell phone numbers and not switchboards, because then you'll get the eight to one ratio. Our system will call six to eight people at a time. So eight eight numbers being called that are mobile numbers. And we have human agents that are manually calling and listening for the person to pick up. When they pick up, it gets instantly transferred to you, the caller, and you have the conversation to the person on the other side, normal phone call. They just say, this is Chad. Boom. They're instantly injected, completely normal call. To you as the dialer, every time you push the go button, you save one man hour or one woman hour. And so instead of doing 125 dials in a day or a week for some salespeople these days, you can do 125 dials in an hour and talk to six to 10 people in one hour. That's the power of agent-assisted dialing. So that's increasing your phone calling efficiency by, if I get this right. At least 10x, almost, yeah, if not 20. Almost 1,000%. And yeah. then the, the frequency of actually speaking to a potential customer, just a little bit less than that. From one hour to, to literally one to three minutes wait time, and you got the next person on the phone. Now, if you're a subpar seller and, oh, I don't know what to say when they pick up, or I need to do my research, 
then you're in the wrong business. You should stay in the email game or go play in social. There's only two to two out of every 10 that we found can really stomach the ability to get in there. Cause you got a, you know, you got a chainsaw and that thing is going to be whipping around. And if you're not careful, you're going to cut yourself. So you've got to really train up for it. You've got to be in good spirits and you got to be able to talk. And, you know, you put me on the phone, I've got a follow-up list of 500 people that I've actually talked to at least once or more times. When someone beeps in my ear on that list, Hey, Tom, it's been a while since I was on your podcast. How you been? And I can pivot and then have a conversation. I will book one in every two conversations on that list. And all I need to do is that about once a quarter for an hour and and I'm in good situation with the pipeline. (laughs) You know, once again, I heard you talk about really the human element and there I heard you talk about doing your research and being prepared. Uh, I'm going to equate that to the competency you talked about a little earlier. And that really leads me into, uh, some questions about down the road. And uh, I think a lot of people in sales are concerned that either technology or AI will supplant them. I've heard you answer that question and I wanted to put it to you again because you are quite clear about what the answer to that is. And I was wondering what your thoughts are on it. If you're a phone tree navigator, yeah, then there's a phone tree navigator system that's agent assisted dialing that will replace your job. So, the good news is most people don't want that job, right? It's pretty monotonous. They'll get bored. My son's 19. He's going to school of mines. If I said, Brendan, good news. I can give you a job where you can just talk to gatekeepers and switchboards all day. And 94% of the time, they're going to tell you they're not going to pick up because they're not at their desk. But 6% of the time, you'll actually talk to them. He'd be like, dad, no, I don't want that job. That sounds stupid. But then you've got 25-year-olds that are doing that job, and they're looking at it like, why would I want to give this up? It's just so easy, and it's smooth, and I can just do it. No, you've got to up-level your skill knowing that that's coming, right? It's like a calculator. You could either do it the old-fashioned way, or I can give you this calculator, and it'll do it. Or you can use Google, and you can use a you know advanced, you know, just do it online. So, it, for most people who want to uplevel their skills, there's no issues with AI. It's not going to displace you. Uh, it's going to add more jobs, just like the internet was supposed to wreck all these jobs. Didn't happen. We added more jobs. That's what's going to happen with AI. It's going to be a massive boom industry. And you think the internet caused a lot of multimillionaires to happen? Wait till you see what happens with AI. I've talked to a lot of business leaders about uh, what's happened during the coronavirus health crisis. And one of the consistent themes has been the speed of change. Uh, I, I call it the exponential speed of change in 2020. I heard one guy about the best phrase I heard is, we've done three to five years of change in this year. And that's in a wide variety of disciplines. Does that hold true in your discipline of sales as well? A hundred percent. I remember Dave Elkington, who was the CEO of InsideSales.com. They've now become a company called Zant out of Utah. And his prediction was, this was five years ago. He said, I predict within 10 years, field salespeople will actually work for inside salespeople. And, you know, 
at an inside sales conference, we're all like, oh, that's cool. We get to be the king of the kingdom. Uh, but is it true? Because these field guys make 250 to million dollars a year. Well, then COVID hit. And you and I was like, ah, oh, remember what Dave said? Because now all the skills of an inside seller, being able to pull the data, use the tools I've been talking about today in automation, that all of a sudden becomes more important than someone's ability to sit across the table and look someone in eye to eye, belly to belly, and schmooze them by taking them out to dinner and playing golf with them. The skill sets flipped where now the business value of the inside salesperson has become greater than the value of the field rep. I still need a field rep to go create relationships. And when things come back online, sure, that'll come back. But absolutely, we accelerated the pace of change that might have taken 10 years to get to now happened overnight. And, and that's, I would think that's exciting for America because we now become advanced in our ability to compete at a level where we're more efficient as a nation. So a lot of times people look at, oh, COVID's a bad thing. And believe me, sometimes I wake up, I'm like, wow, this is terrible. You know, at the end of the day, there's there's going to be more pros that come out of this than cons. And, uh, you know, it's it's interesting times ahead, I think, for America and for the rest of the world. So what I really heard in that answer was not only increased efficiency, but really greater use of technological tools and probably data analytics to help direct a field representative in a more efficient manner as well. Would that be a fair assessment? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if, if I, if the field rep can't be fully utilized, uh, then why would you, you know, if my, let's just say this is the utilization, my Coke can, if I can't fill the Coke every day with meetings and value added activities for them, well, then I'm overstaffed. I should put more money into technology plus inside sales humans to fully staff the need for that guy, I'd rather have that person run a $3 million quota instead of a $750,000 quota, putting them on higher value tasks. Unfortunately, we're near the end of our time, but I was wondering if our listeners wanted any more information on you or ScaleX AI, where could they go, Chad? Yeah, the website ScaleX.ai, I think I mentioned the forward slash eBooks Love for you to download a copy of AI for Sales. I think you'll find it to be fascinating. And there's a brand new video that just came out on the homepage that uh, that we spent a lot of a lot of time and and resource on. So enjoy that. It's uh, it's pretty cool. It shows how AI works and automation on around LinkedIn. And uh, we're going to be putting more and more of those videos out here coming in the, in the very near term. You can reach me personally at chat at scalex.ai, and I'm happy to return your email. And I've got bandwidth, so I'm happy to talk as well. And so I would uh, just encourage our readers to reach out to you directly because I know you're excited to, uh, to visit with folks and talk about this. The research I did uh, in preparation for this podcast, you have some just incredible resources on your website and other uh, websites, such as the C-Suite Network. So I would encourage people to to reach out to Chad. Uh, Chad, uh, I hope that uh, we can continue this conversation going forward. Yeah, I'd love to have you on my show sometime, AI for Sales podcast. So that'd be fun too. Really good to talk with you today, Tom. Thanks for having me. Dusty Rollins here. Thank you so much for listening to Profiles in Persistence. If you're a successful business owner or entrepreneur who would like to be on this program, please visit thetaxcure.com 
slash podcast slash apply. And if you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag Profiles in Persistence. I love seeing your posts and your guest suggestions. We're regularly putting out new episodes and content, so make sure you don't miss any episodes and go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to our website, www.thetaxcure.com, or follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time.